Welcome to all, especially to those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. You've come to the right place. My name is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia. I want to refer all of you who are new, first of all, to my website at ultimatemeaning.com, where there is a flipbook. And in the flipbook, which you can read for free, there's a lot of print that is highlighted in red. They are links to very profound, amazing YouTube videos. So this flip, flip book has, in those YouTube videos, very solid evidence from many fields of science and archaeology about the reality of what I am sharing here. And the message that I have for you here is for your ultimate meaning, purpose and fulfillment that you can have forever that goes on in creative expressions of fellowship and great pleasure with the Creator and with His amazing family in heaven of creation, especially those that are your fellow man. How I share these messages is I seek to speak as the oracles of God. It says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. This is further explained in another verse in Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we that have come to know the one true God for whom to know is life eternal come together around Jesus Christ, who is the one true eternal God, in personage manifested into the time and space creation realm, God the Father is above and beyond creation and separate from creation, he is the full expression in the Son. The Son is the full expression of the Father into the creation realm. And the Holy Spirit is the same one true God and a third personage filling all dimensions of time and creation in the creation realm and beyond with the Father. So for God to be almighty, he must be in three personages in order to rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond creation in creation, and filling all things in creation and beyond with the Father. So Jesus Christ is the one that we gather around. And when we gather around Christ, we are to seek to allow God to speak through us as I mentioned in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And Revelations 19.10 explains that as we worship God out of a pure heart and spirit and in truth and great humility and love towards God, we are filled with the Spirit in an overflow of God's Spirit beyond ourselves that can result in creative utterances as we gather together that come forth, that are prophetic, that are 
utterances as the oracles of God, whether it's in the form of a spontaneous song or a word of encouragement or exhortation or a word of knowledge or a prophetic utterance. We are all, when we gather together, to be functioning in the gifts of the Spirit. And so what I do to facilitate speaking is the oracles of God as I cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible, and I do it with two independent random applications, applications, so that I get the possibility of any chapter twice, so that those two chapters then bear witness with each other as to the theme, as to the message. Then I meditate on those two chapters for an half an hour and immediately speak after that or I have a nap sometimes, and then speak. So today, I want to share with you what I received. And I don't know what I'm going to share on, because I'm going to seek to speak out of a heart set and mindset of worship, because that is how utterances come forth by the Spirit of God, as we learn not to speak out of our own notes or intellect, but from the Spirit, out of a heart set and mindset of worship. And so I want to share with you what I received today from those two chapters that is the common theme between them. But before I also seek to choose a hymn, and I do it by the casting of lots, but sometimes when I get the hymn, I don't think it's appropriate because I'm trying to just get hymns that have the words in it on YouTube so that they can be put on a projector at your church, or you can watch them and sing along with them on your phone or whatever. Um, and so today I did find an appropriate song out of a hymn book of 1,080 hymns, as well as another 177 possible songs that I have collected that are really good from various congregations I have worshipped with in the past, one that was particularly gifted in music and in moving in the gifts of the spirit so today one this one is from the hymn book which has a lot of hymns from throughout church history but also from the underground church in china through the work of watchman Nee. he was martyred in 1972 by the communists and so these words have great depth and meaning and riches and i believe this is one that is possibly from there and you will see how rich the song is. So we will go along with this worship song. I don't know these songs myself, but you can find them all on my website at ultimate, not ultimate meaning, at loverealize.com, where you can find the playlist there and watch them on a video. So we'll go with the first song I'm choosing right now. God hath here on earth a 
So now I want to share with you what God is saying by his spirit from his word to the body of Christ around the world, especially in the United States and in Canada, where I am here in this time of serious crisis that has affected the whole world with an election that was stolen in the United States, with all the overwhelming evidence that is indisputable on that, as well as the mass genocide that is taking place from those that have had two or more vaccinations and are dying in tremendous numbers, especially young people between the ages of 13 and 35. The statistics is coming out from insurance companies and from many other valid sources. So we're living in a time of great crisis. And so I want to share with you now 
the two chapters I received today from the Word of God. On October the 20th of 2022, on Thursday. First of all, I received Hosea 13. And secondly, the chapter that goes with Hosea 13 today by the casting of Lot before God is 1 Corinthians 12. The common theme between these two chapters is the idolatry of pride that separates us from God and from each other. The answer to deliverance and restoration is the breaking of pride by the fear of God. That is what is common between these two chapters. First of all, I want to begin to read some of the verses in Hosea 13. It says in verse 1, When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. What is this saying? It is saying that when Ephraim spake before God out of the fear of God that was to the degree that he trembled before God, God exalted him because the word of God says he exalts the humble. It says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. But when he offended in Baal, he died. He offended God when he compromised and allowed idolatrous worship in their nation, in their midst. And that led to the destruction of Israel, which is described in this chapter as you go on to read. We go on and we read in verse 4 to 6, Yet I am Yahweh thy God, thy Almighty's, which means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I just want to make a little side comment here. I have noticed that many times in prayer, as I have become accustomed to using certain terminologies, one of them I use is what the meaning of God's name is, the way it would be literally said from the Old Testament when you use the word Lord God, which is a common statement in the Old Testament, such as in the King James Version. The word Lord is referring to Yahweh, which is the ultimate source of reality, the I am that I am that is separate and beyond creation. Christ called himself Yahweh, the I am that I am. Abraham had three angels visit him in Genesis 18 and offered them a meal which they partook of and he addressed one of them as Yahweh, the most sacred name for God because he was Jesus Christ that came in the flesh before to Abraham. And there are many examples of that in the Old Testament. So this terminology is Yahweh, and the second word, which is the word God, is in the original Elohim, meaning literally the Almighty's One. So sometimes, and many times in prayer, I start out my prayer by saying, Oh, Yahweh, Almighty's One, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when I say it, I don't know why, but there's just great joy that fills me. It's like God is delighted that I am addressing him in that way. And I am amazed at how I feel the joy of the Holy Spirit 
fill me when I from a pure heart address Yahweh, the Almighty, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I love you. You know, and you begin to worship. And here in this passage, he's saying, yet I am the Lord Yahweh, thy Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. I did know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. When you really get to know someone, it's when they're going through trials, because the worst of them comes out. And when the worst of something comes out in the midst of trials, we can humble ourselves and acknowledge the ugliness that's come out of us, or we can shrink back and deny it and harden our hearts in bitterness towards others and towards God. But what God is doing when he puts us in trials is to undo the deception in the heart that is based in a state of self-worship known as pride, which God hates. And it is what comes against a relationship of intimacy and fellowship, not only with God, but with one another. It is pride and the root of pride is the state of hardness that happens where we become insular. The root of it is basically the heart in its desire out of fear, out of fear for self, to try to withdraw in the fetal position and choose our own ways that we think will allow us to hold on to the temporal comforts that we are deluded to believe somehow will go on forever when in fact we should be facing the reality that they don't last forever. It says they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. In Jonah, Jonah fled from God. He wanted to have his own comforts. He didn't want to go and see this nation that he felt deserved the judgment of God receive the mercy of God. We go on. So there's no Savior besides him. And he knows them in the wilderness as they're going through the time of great, great drought. According to their pasture, so were they filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore have they forgotten me. When we are in a time where there is no drought, where there's material prosperity, that is when often we as individuals fall and as a nation fall because we haven't learned the secret in the midst of prosperity to abide in a deep relationship with God. But God wants us to be those that are all the more overcomers in the midst of prosperity. The promise is great to the church of Laodicea, which was surrounded with prosperity. They had fallen into the trap of false teachings due to their prosperity, saying, I'm rich and increased with good and have need of nothing. I know everything about godliness. I know everything about a relationship with God. But it was all knowledge that puffs up in the mind. It was divorced from a heart relationship with God. 
And we can be deceived to think that we really know a relationship with God, and yet our heart is far from God. Because we fail to seek God in the midst of all the abundance, we have allowed the gods of amusement. And so people spend hours watching sports and pleasure, and they don't have a life of prayer. They are in idolatry. When those things take priority over a life of seeking God and of living for God. Others are caught up in wanting to make a lot of money. And that's where all they spend all their time. And they say, well, but I'm going to give it all to God. But they have deceived themselves and with false teachings where the emphasis is that God's going to give you all your dreams in this world of having such a nice, comfortable life and of what you want people to look up to you for. And so we are filled with pride, wanting people to look up to us. Even I have realized that as much as it is so very right to be an example for others, God may allow us to look like the opposite for a season so that there is not pride in that very good motive that creeps in. And so God is calling us as his people in this hour to be those that learn the secret place of the Most High they learn to be in the secret place of the Most High. For the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and to them he will show his covenant. I want to share with you more here. We go on and we read here in Hosea 13, 9, 11, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. I will be thy king. Where is any other that may save thee in all thy cities? And thy judges of whom thou saidest, give me a king and princes. I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in my wrath. That's speaking of Saul. You see, they wanted to be like the other nations. This was an identity in some person rather than in a relationship with God. Why in Germany did the people put such a strong identity in Hitler? Because of pride. Because they wanted to be somebody. They had lost their identity in God and replaced it in a man. And in the last days, the same thing will happen, except this time it won't just be in Germany. It will be around the world with this charismatic leader that will be the Antichrist, who will have, as it says in Daniel all in Daniel 9 or in other chapters in Daniel. He will be filled with great wisdom and dark sayings, and he will be a person of fierce countenance, existing somewhere. The little horn that buds up exists somewhere south of Israel, possibly Dubai, possibly in that area. It could be coming out of Dubai because that city is now known as the city of gold, which Babylon is described as the city of gold. And it does describe the Antichrist in Isaiah as coming out of the city of gold, of Babylon. But that's another study, and that's not what we're focusing on here. Now we have a verse in Hosea 13. 
that I'm going to read in the Amplify. And it is verse 13 and 14, which I didn't for some reason have here. I'm going to just read them first of all. I think I'm going to go to Hosea 13 in my actual scriptures here and just read this here. It says, The sorrows of a travailing woman shall come upon him. He is an unwise son, for he should not stay long in the place of the breaking forth of children. What does that say? When you read it in the Amplified, it reads this way. The pains of childbirth come on him, but he is not a wise son, for it is not the time to delay as the womb opens. In other words, his chance at new birth. It's not the time to delay at the time when there's about to be a child. But he ignores the opportunity even when the pressure has become so great that there is a new birthing that's going to take place. The heart is going to turn in its desperation of not knowing where to turn. It's going to cry out to God and repent. But he ignores the opportunity to change. That's what it's saying basically in that. And then we read the next verse, which is very amazing. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. And that also reads in a certain way, like this in the Amplified. Shall I ransom them from the power of Shiloh, the place of the dead? Shall I redeem them from death? O oh, death, where are your thorn? Where are your thorns? O oh, Sheila, where is your sting? Compassion is hidden from mine eyes. Yes, God is going to ransom Israel from the power of death. And we read about that in Isaiah, in the Word of God here, where we read this in Isaiah 26. First of all, I'll read a bit in Isaiah 27, 7 to 8. I know it doesn't seem like I'm getting to Corinthians. I will touch on Corinthians, which very much fits in with this message. But I could end up preaching for a lot longer time than a half an hour, which I try to do it in a half an hour. But in Isaiah, it says this, where I just referred, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death and victory and the Lord God, that is Yahweh, the Almighty's one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will wipe away tears from off all faces and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth for the Lord has spoken it. And then we go to Isaiah 26, 17 to 21, like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery. Remember, we were just reading about that in Hosea, the time of the breaking forth of the womb, is in pain and crieth out in her pangs. So have we been in thy sight, O Lord. We have been with child, we have been in pain, and we have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth. So Israel is feeling themselves being cornered as they will in the last days by these armies that will overwhelm them and conquer them. But it is that 
point when the Messiah returns. It is that that point that God sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives in the person of Jesus Christ with thousands and thousands of saints. And the Mount of Olives splits in half and there's a massive earthquake that causes the cities of the nations to fall and the air fills with the glory of the presence of God so that when the wicked breathe it in, they are burned to ashes and there's a brightness that fills the whole earth. And then soon after that, there is the resurrection of the dead of the first resurrection as described in Revelations 20. And so here, just before that, they're feeling their helplessness. They are at the point where there's nowhere to turn. And that is when the Messiah is revealed as described in Zechariah 12, where it says, they shall look on me whom they have pierced. Now, how does this relate to 1 Corinthians? Let us go to 1 Corinthians. And I would love to go through this chapter and preach on the chapter of 1 Corinthians. Corinthians. It is such a good chapter. So we want to go there now if I can. Sometimes the scripture doesn't get exactly to where I want it to go in these electronics, but we'll see what we can do here. Here we got it. Okay. Now, I just want to read the first couple of verses in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So we see right here that this is talking about idolatry. That they, before they were saved, were in bondage to idols. Israel fell into bondage to idolatry. But the context and what you find emphasized in 1 Corinthians is the importance of of humility before God. And that is in the context of each member of the body having unity with one another and functioning in full effectuality as each individual in unity with one another so that the whole of the body is totally whole and totally powerful. And he goes on to say, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God can call Jesus a curse, and that no man can say Jesus is the Lord except they say it by the Holy Spirit. And you can say Jesus is Lord with your intellect all you want, but you're not really saying he's Lord if you're not saying it out of the Spirit of God. And there are differences of administrations. And he emphasizes the diversity in the body. But the same Spirit Lord, there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the Spirit by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to, the, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that the one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been 
and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now here's where we come to the part that fits in with what we've been just sharing. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? So you see someone that has a greater gift or that you think has a greater gift than you. And you say, well, I don't have that gift, so I must be useless. I don't want to be part of the body. I mean, I got to be somebody here. I got to be really significant in the eyes of others here. And maybe we even say, oh, I'm so humble. I don't want to be that way. I just want to be significant in the eyes of God. But I don't belong because God can't use me. I mean, look at that person has all that. What do I have? That's pride in the inverse. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? And it goes on. And it says, but now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the bodies that has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? So if we think that only one gift is so great, and we only emphasize that, then we're missing out on a lot. We've denominated ourselves, we've put ourselves into a shell. This is our set of the way we want things to be done, and we like this form of worship. And if you don't worship the way we do, well, then you're not really part of us. Get lost, you know, that's what we're saying. Or we'll give you the cold shoulder, you know. We have our own nice little group here, and we're so comfortable. God is calling us as his people to be those that walk in the place of great pliability, which is only with a soft heart, and a soft heart comes out of the genuine fear of God that breaks the deception of pride in the heart. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, and so on. But I want to emphasize a particular verse in this chapter. I don't have time to go in detail and sharing here. But it says here in verse 22, Nay, but much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. That is what should be happening in a congregation. The ones that are very gifted and charismatic and that people can tend to be looked up to are not the ones that we should be seeking to honor as much as the ones that are insignificant and that need the encouragement to not feel that dejection like a valley because God wants to raise the valleys and make them a plain. And he wants to bring down the mountains of those that tend to be puffed up and looked by those looking up to them, including the leadership. That doesn't mean the leadership doesn't speak with authority and can't be in the place of humility, though they are at a place of much focus from others. When you have a relationship with God, that doesn't mean anything. You're just filled with his love and compassion for the sheep. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. 
when the members of the body are facilitated by the leadership to totally function in their gifts and encouraged to function in their gifts, it allows God to pour more abundant honor on the part that lacks in a supernatural gift, maybe of knowing what's in people's hearts or a prophetic word that comes true. They're allowed to share it in the congregation, even though they might not be that great looking or they might be a bit strange. And we go on and it says that there should be no schism in the body that the members should have the same care one for another. So when more abundant honor is allowed to come upon those that are not so highly looked up to or are not looked up to or maybe even despised, then it deals with the root, the deception of pride that can cause us to take on a denominative mindset and form a denominative shell so that we become just like some other church that we like to identify with as a body. God is calling his people in these last days to be in the place of humility, which is the place of a soft heart that is flexible, that allows for the maximum of God's spirit and creativity to be expressed through us in the gifts of the Spirit. And part of that is allowing the body to fully function. How many pastors are worried? Oh, if we just let everyone share, we're going to have a mess. Oh, really? Are you afraid of a mess? Or do you want God to have his way through the members of the body and the gifts of the Spirit to bear witness with what you are preaching about before you preach your message? When pride is dealt with by allowing more abundant honor on those that lack, it means that the mountains come down and the valleys are raised, the rough places are made smooth and the crooked places straight. And then all flesh shall see the glory of God in your midst and the power of God will come down in the midst of your congregation. I could go on sharing for a long time, but I see my time is almost up. I don't usually go beyond 40 minutes. And I want to share with you that I have a book. I've lowered the price down to as low as I can. And Canadian is still pretty, still $16 something. In American, it's nine something. There's a print copy, but you can get it in Kindle for a lot lower. But it's a book that's titled God Headship and Body Invasion. And... Um, it's about everything you can do to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from an inhabiting your local assembly so that your house again becomes a house of prayer and house of holiness. And it mentions there the strategy for each town and city to take it for the glory of God by a new order coming into the body of Christ to conquer our nation with the gospel in these last days by it being fully manifested in Christ, finding his bride church, his place of rest in living stones as an habitation of God through the Spirit. So please help support me with that book. 
And thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.